Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are continuing our Falcon and the Winter Soldier coverage. Episode four, the whole world is watching. And it certainly was at the end of the episode. We'll definitely get into that. Uh, first, just introducing the panel. We have our super producer, Jake Christie, in the house. Jake, how are you? I am still muted, and I said I'm doing well. Some producer I am. <laughs> and, and also we have Jerome Chang, a.k.a. Black Dragon Roll. Jerome, how are you? Uh, it feels only great, uh, appropriate that um, for this episode, I congratulate you, New York Knicks, on beating us, the Toronto Raptors, over the past hey. week. There you go. Yes. Um, but uh, over try- 500, baby. One win go. at a time. Let's go. <laughs> um, you did it with RJ Barrett on the team, so I feel like it's still a win for me in the end. Like true, Just fair. like shout out the Canadians that way, but fair. you know. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm good, fair. Man. I'm That's good. fair. <laughs> and also with us, um, as always, uh, the great Stephanie Williams is in the house. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you on this good Tuesday? Oh, good. You know, managing, doing the best that we can here, considering. But um, we do have a guest with us, uh, pal of ours. Her name is Leslie Meir. Leslie, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Oh, good to I'm have excited. you. Good to, good to have you. And, and normally when we get a new guest for the first time, uh, we normally start with you on uh, your general observations on this series thus far. So what have been your thoughts, Leslie, on Falcon and the Winter Soldier to this point? Get that white man out of here has been my main thought. I want him gone. I don't, <laughs> he's not Captain America. He's not captain of anything. I want him out of here as quickly as possible. Oh, listen, I don't blame you. I, I, I certainly don't. Uh, he's continued to antagonize not only the characters on the show, but um, us as an audience. And uh, yeah, it should definitely be interesting to kind of uh, dive into this episode, which uh, we start with the plot in Wakanda six years ago. And we see Bucky and Io sitting at a campfire. And Io says that it's time. Time for what exactly? Uh, Bucky asks if if she's sure about it. And Io assures Bucky that she won't let him hurt anyone. And Io starts reciting the Hydra activation code. And as she's going through the code, uh, Sebastian Stan is uh, selling the hell out of this uh, with the tears. He, he ain't He's even going for the, the Emmy. One- He's going if, for the yeah, Emmy. He's acting his ass off. <laughs> he really is. A, it's not the it's not the standard one tier. He's full ugly crying in in this scene, and um, it's pretty clear as uh, Io finishes that Bucky um is free, and as Io tells him, he is free, and uh, he cries in relief. Um, Stephanie, I'll, I'll start with you on the scene. What what did you think of it? We got a trip back to not only Wakanda, but. Um, this is a pretty powerful scene to start the show. Um, I liked it. It reminded me of the kind of co-open that we got with uh, Monica Rambeau and the blip and WandaVision. Um, reason why I say that is because it's a, a scene that's um, important for both Io and Bucky. And at first, like after I watched I'm like, oh, so here we go. Black women in service of white folks again. However... <laughs> that's really not the case here because we already knew um that steve had dropped bucky off to wakandan summer camp back in so at the end of civil war 
so that he can get his healing down by the riverside. So in that, um, I did appreciate it because one, um, Io has to be a pretty high-ranking um, Dora Milaje member to be in charge of something as serious as, you know, um, making sure that Bucky's reconditioning um, was successful. And also you see a little bit of her compassionate sign too, just like reassuring him that, no, I got you, you'll be fine. Um, trust me, I'll handle it if you decide to, if, you know, what we've been doing actually didn't take. So I... Right. I really did appreciate that scene. And also I feel like it um, played a role in um, telling you what was what in the scene that happens later in the movie. I mean, in the show yeah. that I really loved. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Jake, uh, what about you as, as somebody who loves the thespians and what they do? I mean, I thought the, the acting was really good. And I thought that it was important to see him like ugly cry and stuff. Cause I think that it, it informs later on that like in any way you slice it, it was going to be a betrayal for Bucky to do what he did uh, in regards to Zemo. But I think it's important to see that like what the, what the Wakandans did for him wasn't like a simple procedure where like they did a surgery on his head or something like that. Like it was an emotional struggle for both of them and to see how much it meant to him then clearly that like, yeah, I think it just, it made the betrayal more personal rather than just like, you know, you did this thing to betray Wakanda. It, personalized it where it was a betrayal of Io who clearly was invested in helping Bucky on a personal level. And I think that, that, that obviously it's compelling that he betrayed a country that helped him, but I think it's even more compelling that he has to try to justify it to the person who gave him the greatest relief of his life, you know? And um, it, it, the way that it informed the stuff later, I really liked because it, 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 Bucky's reeducation kind of was a, you, I, you didn't think about it so much, but it was kind of weird that it all happened off screen. And so just to see it where you can see like, oh, wait, yeah, this was a horrible, grueling process. Um, and to just turn around and, you know, spit on everything IO believes in is even more fucked up when you see it, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and Jerome, it, considering how we've viewed Bucky, not only throughout the MCU, but this show, um, did this scene continue any any feelings for you on the character? Uh, what have you What have you thought about Bucky's character growth? Um, I I don't I wouldn't call it growth as much as you just got more depth to his past, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, no, I thought it was a really well acted scene. Uh, now, after Steph's comments about Wakandan summer camp, I wish he had like a pin, like a white wolf pin or yes. like a patch to put on, like he were mm -hmm. he was a Boy Scout and just achieved a new honor, but. Um, you know, the thing about the scene that actually hit me more was it didn't feel like we've gone back to Wakanda since Black Panther. Like, I know we went in Infinity mm. War, but this, I don't know, something about going back this time for that scene, it felt like I was there more so. Like, I, and I think that's just because the way Black Panther made me feel about the place and just all the emotional weight of it. Whereas in Infinity War, it was more a function and it was more a setting for a battle than it was the personality of the place itself. And so because of that, I was just, yeah, like when I heard the music and everything coming back and that was a little bit of that in the last episode too, I was just, I was taken aback by that a little more. And then like, yeah, of course it was a really well acted scene and like really good depth from Sebastian Stan there, but um, yeah, really feeling the Wakanda of it all. 
Awesome, awesome. And before we get to continue with the plot, Leslie, I want to ask you, as somebody who's been binging uh, the MCU, what have you thought of Bucky overall as a character? And uh, what do you think of him after seeing this episode? I've always enjoyed, I liked his character in general because I don't know, it's, I'm more of like a face first kind of person. So, oh, this man is fine. So let me root for him. You know, it's not anything like <laughs> deep there. But like, as like, I've seen the unfolding of this story, it's like, okay, like this is a very cool character. There's a lot going on behind the scenes to unpack for him. So I've enjoyed his character throughout. I think the only problem I've ever had with him was um, Steve Rogers and his standing of him and just like protecting him from everything was always irritating yeah. to me. That's the only mm -hmm. thing I had. It wasn't him. It was just the, how that whole relationship was and it's like girl your friend is a crazy person like you can't defend you found yourself him. like projecting your frustration with steve onto bucky i think yes like when you watch it yeah yes and now we're seeing him as his own character it's like hey this is a pretty fun guy you know it's like okay i can get behind rooting for him not just because he's attractive but you know because he's an interesting character now it's him later in the episode that i like makes me really enjoy bucky just like when he's not um taking things as seriously uh and he isn't like the brainwashed winter soldier i think that's like where i'm like oh i really like mess with this guy he's like pretty chill yeah yeah for sure most, def most definitely and uh we we then go to the present and io and bucky are continuing their conversation from the last episode and she asks how could you freeze emo this is crazy it's ridiculous and bucky uh, tells her that they need his help and basically they have a little bit of a back and forth and io really sells the not only the point of betrayal, but the fact of shame that they feel that, you know, this dude was in jail um, and now he's out and he's basically, he's walking around free doing basically whatever. Because if you really think about it, Sam and Bucky have basically allowed Zemo to do whatever he feels like it for the most part. I almost have seen the extended dance club scene and she's like, nah, no, this isn't it. This, yeah, he can't be enjoying himself. He can, he can be helping, but he can't be enjoying himself. The, the IG live came out and yeah, the, 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 and you know what condoms are going to be on that real quick. So, so yeah, there's a frustration in general and uh, she gives Bucky eight hours um, and they will, and the Dora Milaje will be coming for Zemo. Uh, she leaves title credits and uh, we go to where they're staying in Latvia. Uh, Bucky comes back and then, uh, he, and then he tells Sam that the Dora Milaje wants Zemo and that he brought them some, bought them some time. He then also confirms that Carly bombed the GRC uh, depot and the Flag Smashers are promising more attacks if the demands aren't met. Then Zemo asks if they have the will to complete the mission and tells Sam that Carly is a supremacist, which was interesting. It's an interesting choice of words there. Jake, what did you think of this? Uh, I'm glad that you asked me Zemo? this. I'm glad you asked me first to the person who has obviously the most affected by supremacy. No, um, I think that it's a horrible choice of words, I think for like outside the context of the show, because I think that it, it really is. I just don't really like the way it sounds for a white guy to be calling a black woman a supremacist. But um, I think his point, I think, is generally correct that if even if you're someone who claims that their ultimate gain goal is to emancipate people and make people equal across the world if the way that you go about it is to first put yourself above every other person you are you're not 
you're not actually being true to what you say your goal is. And I think he's right about that. Like, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself in the show, but it is kind of like, okay, so they want to, the Flag Smashers want to help everyone across the world, but only they can be entrusted with the Super Soldier Serum. Like that, right. yeah, there's there's a tension there that I think he's recognizing when I wish he could use a different choice of words. But I think that he, I, I think it is an interesting point. It is kind of, though, I think it, it it helps put into clear view why he is so dead set against super soldiers beyond just like, cause it kind of, they kind of say it like as it's a fact, but you kind of get a better sense of why he finds super soldiers to be so antithetical to, you know, his worldview, you know? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, of course, Sam jumps in and says there has to be a peaceful way to stop Carly. And then Zemo continues on and uh, warns that anyone that takes a serum is a supremacist at heart, and Carly's just going to keep this going until either she kills Sam or Sam kills her. Ste- Stephanie, you texted me immediately after this episode, and uh, you had uh, you had words for the writers. Uh, what did you think here about uh, the choice of language by Zemo? It just goes more into their, um, I don't know, like trying to soften the blow of whatever message. Th- it is that they're trying to tell by having him say that because the easier, not even the easier conversation, but the conversation that would have made more sense was him to go along the lines of, you know, everyone is a hero in their story, right? Because that's essentially what he's saying without saying it. Um, and then for the simple fact that the Flash, uh, Flag Smasher's leader is a Black woman and for him to say that, like, it underscores the whole thing and it kind of takes you out of the moment because it doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. at all. Now, if he would have did the whole bit about, you know, everyone's their own hero, then sure. I mean, it still would have been, you know, Zemo, uh, the pot finally cut a black, but, um, <laughs> you know, it just would have, it would have worked. Like a lot of this show, um, like I see what they're doing and they do get some stuff right, but a lot of it just falls short or is just confusing because of the either casting choices or who they have say what. And how they say it. I, I think a phrase that I heard a lot of older people use, and I don't fully understand what it means, but I think it applies here, is that a lot of stuff is too cute by half. Like they're just like, yeah, that I think they thought, I think they think they're cute by saying using the word supremacist to be like, see, we're recontextualizing it. But it's like, you're really mm-hmm. not though. You're just kind of, you're trying to be like, you know, I don't want to say edgy, but like make a point. But if you don't actually make the point, then it's just like, oh, because even, even I was confused when he said she's a supremacist. It's like, I'm listening, but you already put, have me on my back feet, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's almost like more of a dabbling as opposed to like actually saying what what the situation really is in, in terms of what uh, what a supremacist is and what that means. Uh, Jerome, how did you receive uh, Zemo's uh, interesting choice of words? Um, it was, I mean, I don't think I need to reiterate uh, what Jake and Steph already kind of perfectly put together. Uh, it just felt like you had a word of the day calendar and you were just really excited to <laughs> use that word in a sentence. With, with that in mind, Jerome, stop being so ostentatious. Check. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the dichotomy of me. So it makes perfect sense. Wow, your day ahead? So, <laughs> uh, Leslie, I, I wanted to get your take on just in general when it comes to the, the talk about race in this series and kind of the way that they've gone about it in kind of not really going all the way in, but at times trying to touch on it, but really to Stephanie's point, not really hitting the way home. How have you received the the, the talk around that stuff? It's been 
I don't, how, what word do I want to use? Is nasty the word I want to use? I don't think it's nasty, but it's just been like gross kind of. I did, I haven't really cared for it. It's like, you know, like Disney is like those people with the black squares that posted on Instagram and said, okay, guys, we are here, we hear you, we're listening. And it's like, okay, let's just toss black things in there. Like mm-hmm. from, even from the beginning, when they gave me that halfway Beachella show, I said, I don't like this and they're going to make me mad. And they made me mad with it. I said, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I'm still here. And then we went that whole police thing said, ha, we arrested the white man. Look guys, we're listening. We see you, we hear you. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like, I mean, I guess, but whatever. And then it just, that, and then it came to this episode when he said that about this black lady, I'm just like, okay, all right interesting but i guess we'll just keep pushing through it's like okay like i think they're trying to do something that i don't they don't have to do it like Mm -hmm. it's okay (laughs) it is okay to just it's it's a marvel show yeah Yeah. like you have to toss in black issues you have to touch on black issues you don't because it's marvel you don't have to do that here it's not the space to me at the space if you're not going to do it correctly it's best if you just left it alone yeah and that's how i feel about it anyway like yes. We would have watched the show anyway. Y'all didn't even have to do this. Like, just be quiet. Even if they would have did this and then not said anything about it and then just let, you know, us feel whatever we wanted to feel. But it's just a simple fact. And I keep bringing this up because they made it a point. That they, they wanted you to know gonna, that they were going to do this. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even do it. I'm like, yeah. you, you all are infuriating. Like, I was going to watch a Sad Boy and um, Blackbird. Like, I was going to watch the show. Blackbird, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I have literally have nothing better to do. Like with my Friday night, like I was going to watch it. Do you know the garbage I've watched? Like, yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) nonetheless, um, great point by everybody here. Uh, as, uh, as we continue the plot and, uh, they go on with the whole Bucky points out that the serum never corrupted Steve and Zemo agrees, but says there's never been another Steve. And then they get to talking about uh, Donya, who was the uh, was Carly's uh, person that died, and uh, they're looking for the funeral. So uh, we cut to the Flag Smashers watching a video about the depot explosion and how one of the workers was the father of two. In response to the bombing, the GRC is fast tracking laws to return things to normalcy. Uh, Carly steps away and and uh, looks pensively out of the ruins. And then we go back to Zemo, Sam and Bucky and they go to the camp and they, they split up. We got Zemo and Bucky downstairs. We got Sam going upstairs. Sam goes upstairs and nobody's, nobody's trying, to, trying to hear uh, anything that he's trying to say in general. Um, he runs into a gentleman who says that basically, you know, you get, that they're not refugees, they're internationally displaced persons and they don't trust outsiders. He knows who Sam is, but he can never trust him. Oh, so I don't know how to put this, but I feel like the yeah. posture that Sam walks in with is like, I don't don't trust me. He comes in with kind of like, I don't want to say cop posture, but just like, he's kind of like, man, I'm just trying to ask questions around here. Like he just kind of comes in with an energy. <laughs> it's, it's cop like no, posture. It's like it's, no shit. No you one's could gonna, call it. Okay. I, I, but it it's definitely bad. is like, why no one's going to talk to you? Come in looking like that. Like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's funny because as opposed to what we get later with he and Carly, he comes into this scene a little bit more just uh, demonstrative in the way that he looks as opposed to 
uh, trying to be endearing and uh, empathetic. But um, we go downstairs and we see Zemo uh, talking to the kids. Bucky's getting nowhere with anybody. Bucky's not exactly the greatest at talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zemo is. Zemo's just uh, he's just a charmer. He's charming all the kids. He's giving out the Turkish delight, uh, the candies, and he gets one of the uh, one of the kids to tell him about the funeral. And um, then he then as Sam comes down and says that says to Bucky that he's not going to be able to get anything. Uh, Zemo points to both Sam and Bucky and tells the the young little girl that hey, there's no way you should be you should trust these guys. They're bad men. And um, eventually, they go back upstairs, and and uh, they basically go back and forth about the about where the funeral is at. And Zemo says, well, I can't give you this information because then you'll have uh, leverage over me. And stuff like that. Bucky gets mad. Sam calls Sharon, and Sharon, Sharon, who again, and even though she's briefly in this episode, I really, really do feel at this point, um, after the conversation with Sam, that she's the power broker based off of her emphasis on the serum and and wanting to get the serum. Uh, Jerome, how do you feel about the power broker uh, scenario at this point? And do you think it's Sharon or are you continuing to be in your mode of, I just want to see what happens? Well, yeah, I'm always in that mode. That's a given. But um, yeah, they they seem to make it a point to make it seem like she's the power broker, but almost to the degree that it's a little too on the nose. So yeah. I'm not even sure um, at this point. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's like scenes like that are definitely the kind of things I would love to see from a perspective of someone who doesn't really like go into it the way we do. And at least just like takes it as face value. So maybe they do get surprised by the end. But um, I think even to someone who's casually viewing it, uh, it seems a little too suspect the way she's operating. Uh, Stephanie, at this point, do you think Sharon is the power broker? I don't think so for the same reasons as Jerome. Um, But then again, I don't know, like Marvel could be pulling a reverse, reverse, reverse. Yeah. And she ends up being the power broker. So it's it's uh, crossing Antonio Daniels one time, and he hits the ground, and then like crosses another time just to make sure. And just like you don't know, but someone's getting a bucket. Is that yeah? And it's kind of funny because so we got two things going on. We have this alleged cameo that's supposed to happen in episode five. That's of some famous actor slash actress. It's uh, not me, Anthony. Know. Despite your tweets. Well, <laughs> that we, we could be though. That's the thing. It could be. <laughs> you ask me about the power broker. I'm not giving you any information. <laughs> Just see Jerome walking in with that that uh, that detective coat that that he's had in past photos. Yeah, yeah. That, that it would it's, it's it would a make sense. Code. I'm, I'm not a private eye in any way. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So what I know is that so this actor slash actress is not the power broker it's an MCU character that is making their first appearance in the MCU uh that'll be interesting uh but nobody really knows about that yet but we just know that it's not the power broker so at this point it feels like the power broker is somebody that we've already seen uh to this point I know Jake you haven't felt like it's you haven't felt like it's Sharon this entire time. Did this episode do anything to change your mind? No, just because I feel like they're laying it on thick. And I think that Marvel is, especially in TV, like Marvel can do stuff that's stupid and obvious, but they're, it feels a little too obvious. Um, like, I, I think that if you, if you put a gun to my head 
and I'm probably wrong, but this is just the gun I had. I would say it's General Ross. It should be Secretary Ross. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just because I'm trying to think. But even then, like you, some people have, I think Jason Concepcion on Twitter pointed out that why would he need to be the power broker? He's the Secretary of Defense, which is a fair point. But I just think that Sharon. Like the shady uh, Secretary of Defense who like openly just does everything like. Yeah. Like not on the level. Like he's not even trying to hide himself yeah. out here. True. Uh, but the thing with Sharon is this, like if they're going to have her if they're going to like do feints of trying to make me think she's the power broker, there's just no, nothing in that they've done would suggest why she's the power broker. Like, why is that something she's doing? Um, and so like, if she ends up being the power broker, I'll be disappointed just cause it's like, well, she had the screen time and there's, there was like, the only reason you think she's the power broker is the way that the story is set up, but there's no, you don't really see the motivation. You don't know why she would need to do this to pl- have this duplicitous character she's playing. So It'd I, I hope- more for the shock value exactly. of her being yeah. it than it exactly. is any like character reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and Leslie, I'll, I'll also ask you since you're, you're kind of new to this, what in terms of like, are you expecting anything big here or is this just something where you're just kind of following along and if you get surprised, you get surprised and it's not that big of a deal? Yeah, I'm just following along just to like connect the dots between where we, the, whatever parts the MCU are in right now. So like I have, I came into the show with no expectations and it's just, it's, it's gotten better and better every week, but I'm also like, I am not a speculator with shows because it just takes so much effort. I'm just like, okay, guys, mm-hmm. just just watch it next time. Like all this like brain power trying to figure out like, oh my God, who is this person? This person sneezed last week and I heard a sneeze on the phone. So it has to be them. So it's like, I just, I've never- You, you always look person. into the allergy history, Leslie. That's a, that's the rule in uh, Marvel. You always look into, like, you know that mm. like Steve's allergic to peanuts. That's why he can pick up Mjolnir. Like it's all connected. <laughs> you get me. Yeah. And, and the thing too, you have to keep in mind that like, technically yeah. speaking, if- if a doctor divulges if someone has hay fever, it's a HIPAA violation. But if the person themselves does, it's not. So you can ask, like, Bucky, do you have hay fever? And that yep. would explain why yep. he sneezed yep. over That's the That's why he sneezed. That's Chekhov's arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, but it's just man. not the kind of person that I am. Like, I'm not a speculator. I'm not, like, digging too deep into stuff because I'm here to be entertained. That's, like, the person. But I, I was entertained. I was like, okay, and I'm just going to move on and then wait for next week. That's just how hey. I consume television. Hey, bless your heart. I wish I was that way. Uh, my, my mind just could be going all the time. But um, but nonetheless, uh, as we go to Carly and her pal Nico, they they go to a, c- a cemetery and they get the a, a little a little patch of serum that they have. Carly wonders if she's doing the right thing, and Nico assures her that she is. Uh, Nico actually talks about how how Steve that he was a fan of Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers, which is ironic for him uh, later in the episode, and. Uh, Carly makes him feel the same way. Nico says they now need a world. Uh, the world needs a leader who understands their pain and uh, what they're doing will outlive the legacy of the shield. And it, it, it was it was interesting to see that stuff from from uh, from Nico there. Even in a brief appearance, this is the first time that we see him and he's only in this episode. Um, him being a fan of Steve was a, was a nice little parallel that they put uh, juxtaposed to his interactions with John Walker later. Um, so as we go back and uh, Bucky, Sam, and Zemo are about to go find out where the funeral is, John Walker and and Lamar Hoskins show up and uh, and John Walker is, is he's, he's really pointing finger white man, 
listen, we well, what you call it, this stops right now. I'm ordering you to turn him over, all this other stuff. He's going on and on and on. And then uh and then Zemo Zemo stops the the conversation real quick because he knows where Carly is. And then Sam says that it's at a memorial, and first he wants to talk to Carly alone and try reasoning with her. And and John's like, no, we're way past that at this point. But then uh, Lamar comes through and is basically like, we should give him a chance here uh, to try and talk her down. Uh, Lamar continuing to be the voice of reason. Uh, he's had limited, you know, limited spots in the series to this point. But um, I've really enjoyed the performance thus far. Uh, Steph, uh, what do you think about Lamar overall from what we've seen from him, even though it's limited? I, I feel it's kind of unfortunate that we didn't get more of him. This is how I knew he was about to die because they was giving him too much, too many lines and um, <laughs> having him say too many meaningful things. I was like, yeah, you He's getting shots getting up murdered. when the starters are resting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean... I liked it for him because again, like he had something to like say and a little bit more to do. Um, you can see that he actually does have his own, um, you know, thoughts and whatnot. So that was nice. It's just unfortunate because, well, we all know what happened. Yep, 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 yep. And so then we go to we go to the the uh, church and and um, the four of them go over. Well, actually, the five of them. And Sam goes to talk to Carly and John Walker handcuffs uh, Zemo to where they're at. And they give Sam his 10 minutes um, at the time. Uh, we see the little ceremony for Danya. And then Sam starts having a conversation with Carly uh, regarding her actions. And and um, I think this was the most that it feel like uh, we got Sam back in his element per se from when we go back to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and he's in that grief counseling camp. And uh, it, it seems like in terms of Sam's personality, this is the best that we've seen of, uh, of him in this series. Uh, Jerome, what did you think of um, this conversation between Carly and Sam? Um no, it was it was a good conversation. Uh, I think, uh, to your point, it just it tapped into something that really hasn't been touched since Winter Soldier, which was a good thing. And I think the right move to at least separate Sam because he was that person in a way for Captain America uh, when he was acclimating to the modern world, and uh, he really just got lost in the shuffle after that. Like the next time you see him, he's getting washed by Ant Man. And like, um, and he's like background player for basically the entire duration until he gets this show where he comes in on the title card as a background player. And, um, and yeah, this was like the place where you realize like what exactly Sam was bringing to the table in personality mm -hmm. and definitely um, tapping into at least uh, what everyone felt they lost in Steve Rogers. They're not getting the same back in Sam, but I think they're getting a lot of the same spirit and like heart, mm -hmm. I guess, behind it, which is a good thing. Yeah. And I, and, and that's the thing, like, I think the attempt here to kind of, as we see not only John and the way that he's acting as while the scene is going on, John is kind of getting, he's getting anxious. He's getting like, he just wants to, he's, he's just doing the most to... though. Like, at, like it got to the point where he was just like, he was actual white noise. Yeah. 
<laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. And um, and I think they tr- they tried to parallel or what I felt that what they attempted to do was try to parallel Sam and John. But I think what ends up happening is if you listen to Carly and what she's talking about, um, there's more of a parallel between John and Carly, I feel. Uh, Steph, you've talked about that a little bit. Uh, what, do, what do you think of how that um, that scene was framed in, in your opinion? Um, I like it uh, because, I don't know, like I just find her the more interesting character because um, again, like she is the hero of her own story. And um, She's also someone like similar to John who, um, you know, by any means necessary or so we think, or so she thinks um, because we see her, um, you know, have that remorseful side to her. We got a glimpse of that in episode three. And then the fact that she actually is listening to Sam um, and is, you know, considering the things that he's saying, like, yeah, she's had the super soldier serum or whatever, but um, it is pretty true about it makes you more of a thing, but sometimes it's a little bit of both um, because uh, to me, she's like got bit, bits and pieces of Steve in her and then like a touch of John Walker because of the, um, you know, wanting to get things done. Um, but I can also see a lot of Sam in her as well because she wants to um, help people. Um, like that's what she's trying to do. She's just actually being active about it the best way that she can. So I loved it. And then it just really makes that ending and how things unfold there. Um, I don't want to say all the more better, but now finally we have someone to kind of like accurately compare John to, because when John was introduced in the comics, it was to be this analog for Steve Rogers and Steve isn't there. So, and they're trying to do that with John and Sam and it just doesn't make any sense for obvious reasons. Um, But between him and Carly, because at least they share the super super soldier serum now, um, you can like really start to see those parallels come through. Absolutely. Uh, Jake, in terms of the scene and the way that Sam kind of threw out words, uh, he basically throws out some of the stuff that Zemo said just to kind of pick Carly's brain on what she thought. Um, I thought that was a, a very clever use of Sam in the mm-hmm. scene. Uh, well, how did you take it? Yeah, I think that because I've seen a lot of people talk about how Sam is an impossible character to write um, because it doesn't seem like there's it kind of feels like there's not much there in terms of like his personality. Um, I don't, yeah, and, but, and as for the MCU, I think the thing that they had in the Winter Soldier, which I'm glad they brought back now. And I think that this thing he's even better at than Steve is that like, well, Steve is very caring and kind and all those things. I think Sam's like personality superpower is his capacity to understand and to sympathize with people. Like, I think that he is even better. Like, I think like- His empathy is better. Exactly. Steve wouldn't be able to have this conversation with Carly because he would just be like, yes, I understand what you're saying, but you have to stop killing people. You have to stop. And like, Sam understands (laughs) that you can't, do that like yeah and, and by the way i'm not making for steve i would have that same hang up i'm not sam in this case but um i think that he really wants to understand and is able to put himself in people's shoes really really well in a way that i think even though i agree stephanie that the really, really that in comparing sam and john in terms of being captain america i think they're really just not doing it and honestly i stopped stopped even tracking that just because it feels stupid but i think a very interesting thing is to see how like John is completely unable in any 
circumstance to put himself in anyone else's shoes ever, like throughout. Like that's kind of his. He he can't even if anyone tries to explain how the something like we should do this with the flash smash yada yada yada. He like refuses to see anything from outside his perspective, and to a lesser extent, like Zemo can't do it, and like Bucky can't do it as much. But Sam is like, I think he understands that in order to quote unquote, take down the flag smashers. You have to understand what they're about and you'll never understand what they're about if you don't see things from their perspective. And so I think that it was really nice to see him have a scene where the things that make him unique as a character outside of his powers were shown. Right, right. And and Leslie, in, in terms of Sam Wilson as a character, how do you receive him? Uh, what, do you, what do you think about him? And the general question and theme uh, around this show has been that, to Jake's point, is that Sam is a very, not only difficult character to write, but just a hard character to make compelling. Uh, what do you think of how he was used this episode and and uh, did it did it add anything for you or are you kind of in the same place? Um, in general about this character, I don't think about it at all. Like I have, I had no feelings about, outside of like, you know, him being a meme. I just had like nothing for him. Um, um, Anthony loves that freaking photo of him. Oh, it's great! It's, it's so great. funny. Never and him, I just no, it looks like he's lying. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is this is the guy who yelled about being Tupac. But like this character, this this episode allowed me to see, like, oh, okay, I understand now why he's here because like he was able to see, cause I don't think Carly, I don't know if it was this episode or last episode mentioned how like the world is operating in shades of gray. And like um, mm -hmm. you've all have mentioned, Steve is not capable of understanding that, but because Sam has gone through what he's gone through, he's able to say, hey, I understand because this is not like a black or white situation. So there's a lot of gray in there, except for the killing of people that that's like yeah, generally stand, bad but, generally yeah bad. generally bad <laughs> but um honestly to carly's point when she said they only understand violence i can't disagree with her there because yeah. that's the language that i don't say yeah. oppressors because i'm an oppressive yeah. situation but that's, that's the language that they typically understand so it's like i was shocked when you killed those people but i was like i think i think, I think they do understand it i think the problem is and i think they'll probably play this out and not, I'm by no means an expert, I can't believe I'm saying this sentence, by no means an expert on the history of terrorism, what have you. But the problem is they do understand <laughs> violence, but their response is never to then, like, compromise. Jake, I really don't know it's, if you should come to the table unless I know, you really, like, bring it's your like, terrorism expertise. But it's like, it's like, the problem with her logic is, like, yeah, they understand violence, but their response is to, like, just oppress oh, more. Like, it's not, you know, I don't think it's going to end up well. Fair. It'll be like, you know, you know, since you blew up those three people, we're now going to listen to you. Like, that's just not yeah. how things tend to work understandable but it's like i i kind of get it There's i get like, why she does it yeah, yeah. i think it's yeah and then the like end a of, desperation that she feels she has no other option yeah and the end of the and then the end of the op of the episode shows like hey hey girl you weren't ready for the can of worms you just opened so it's like i get it but like i had in this scene i the only question i had was mm -hmm. who was danya because they kept talking they kept harping on danya danya, mm -hmm. danya. Like, okay so who was she because well, obviously she's an important person and I, I didn't, I don't need like a lot of backstory, but like she's a good person who took people in. Was she a moral compass and losing her made Carly just go off the deep end or is she someone that 
steered her down this path that hey this will, this will get the do to get our whatever we're trying to get in the end it's like i didn't fully understand the purpose of us yelling yeah. about danya all episode if mm -hmm. we got nothing about her yeah i think that's fair and, and and it's always the it's always the issue with um just in general with uh, these shows where you kind of run into stuff where you feel like there should be even a, like a two or three minute scene kind of giving a little something um, along those lines to kind of give a little bit of a backstory. And um, the Netflix shows ran into that problem all the time. Well, actually their problem was, is like they get, kept getting stuck up in the air. This one, it actually feels like there's not enough time to yeah. get into stuff because it's only six. So um, yeah, I would have liked to see that. I would have liked to see that too. That would have been, that would have been interesting to get a little bit more background on that to kind of get like a full shaping. Especially because I think, I think the answer is, uh, Leslie, I think is the former of that she was a moral compass and she raised people. I think that that's kind of implied, not implied, but I think you're just kind of supposed to accept that. But the thing I would like to see is like, okay, so did, are all of the people who Danya helped raise, are they all like radical militants or did some people not take that away? Like, I don't need a ton on it, but it's just like, what is her role? I think what is her role in making Carly, you know, form the Flag Smashers? Because was it just that she was nice to her and then the Flock Smasher was like completely independent or what, you know? No, yeah. I honestly think it was just like <laughs> lazy writing in the way that, again, like we need to drive home the point to y'all that the super soldier serum makes you do things. And yeah. the fact that it starts off with dying, um, with Danya dying and then like having Carly's reaction to that and then having... John Walker react the way that he does to his moral compass, so to speak, dying is supposed to kind of give you that, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. So yeah, the the soldiers, the super soldiers term does make you do this or that or react this way, or just trying to bring home the point that it makes you more of who you are because um, these are our two characters right now mm -hmm. outside of Bucky who um, are recipients of it. Yeah, I don't right. want to cause any skepticism of shots in this time, but I don't recommend the Super Soldier Serum. <laughs> oh, good one, Jake. Oh, what if and... you really believe in yourself, Jake? Like, yeah, it's fair. Yeah, if, you, if you're Steve Rogers, if you'll jump on yeah, the grenade. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. And so, of course, we almost get to the point where it looks like Sam is really convincing Carly of um, of the argument there. And of course, there goes John Walker coming in, walking in again. Carly, you're under arrest and yada, yada, and blah, blah, blah. And um, he tells Sam that Sam had enough time to talk. Carly knocks both of them back. She runs. Bucky goes after her and chases her. Um, and both Bucky and Sam can't find her. And then uh, as Carly um, is going to the same room where the serum is, uh, Zemo, who escaped from his handcuffing, just uh, this guy's uh, this guy's a magician out here. He's a real baron, that guy. And uh, he shoots uh, he shoots Carly a couple of times, and then he notices that the serum is on the floor. Um, he takes a look at it for one second. And he starts smashing all the vials, and um, Zemo's uh, his 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 mission is right there. He's he's on the verge of completing it. There's one left, and uh, then we see. The new cap throwing the shield right at Zemo's head and knocking him out. We see the vial on the floor. We know that John Walker is going to take it. And we know that John Walker is definitely going to use the serum. There was no doubt about that for sure. Um, and, and then um, 
Sam finds uh, Bucky who admits that he, he lost Carly. And then uh, and then eventually Sam catches up to to uh, Walker and uh, what you call it, you know, they then Carly eventually gets away. Uh, so then we go to another scene of Carly with Nico and then Dovich shows up and then they talk about the vials being destroyed and and that she wishes there were more super soldiers to continue their fight and they're going to have to deal with not only uh, Sam, Bucky, Battlestar, and New Cap, and Zemo, the, the power broker contacts Dovich by text demanding the serum back. And uh, Carly seems pretty calm in this case, considering being shot a couple of times. She says, yeah, well, I'll deal with both, uh, but I'll deal with... Uh, with uh, Sam, and then her goal is to kill Captain America. So we'll, we'll see what happens there going forward. That's a. Uh, that, that, I mean, she has a point. She has a point. You know, I can't really disagree. Probably the right move for her. Um, you know. Yeah. No, I agree. I I agree. And uh, and I just wanted to rush through this scene because um, yeah. a really fun scene's about to happen as Sam and Bucky take Zemo back to the safe house. And uh, Zemo is uh, Zemo is uh, relaxing on the couch. Um, he asked Sam if he was offered the serum, uh, would he have taken it? And Sam immediately says no. Uh, Z- Zemo is very impressed, and uh, he continues to say that Carly is gone. You, you, you super soldiers uh, can't be allowed to exist. Uh, the Flag Smashers are going to become godlike, and then. And then Sam throws the uh, throws it back in Zemo's d- direction in terms of if that's the case, uh, you kind of sound like a god here. Not only that, and uh, what about Bucky? And Zemo doesn't say anything. And I, I said this last week, and I'm kind of continuing to be on that theme. I feel like I feel like the Bucky Zemo team is is going to come by the end of the series. That is my that is my theory uh, on the on the whole shebang. So. I'm curious to see if that ends up happening, but so um, once again, um, as not only Bucky comes back, but then John Walker walks in. All right, you're handing him over to me now, and they're going back and forth, and and then uh, basically John wants to challenge Sam to a fight almost, and he says, "Do you want to?" Can make I ask a question? An important question, though. Yeah, so, sure. Do you think, and, and well, you know, by the way, I said that um, it's not important, but do you think that John hates the fact that the Captain America suit is like kind of one piece because he's used to whenever he gets in a fight with someone ripping off his shirt beforehand? Because um, <laughs> I th- feel like he definitely seems like that type of guy. Um, you know, I've seen that a lot growing up in the South, a lot of fights. And I, I just feel like he's it's with the stubble too, which is like he reminds me of a lot of guys in high school who when they got in a fight, they take off the shirt. And I just really is like, man, I wish I could just take this whole thing off right now. Anyway, you continue. <laughs> and and yeah so like the it looks like it's about to be on between them and then uh the dora the dora come we see a spear come through uh the dora Milaje come through io comes through it's, a, it's they started attacking they start attacking briefly and then and then everybody's like let's try and chill and of course john john being john does the you know does the one thing that you should not do not only to a woman no less a black woman he goes, uh, we can work these things out. And uh, before before he does what he does, he, he talks about, um, you don't have any jurisdiction here. And I was like, uh, the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever they see. Fred. Also, motherfucker, you're Captain America, not Captain Latvia. You have no jurisdiction. No, either. Nobody has jurisdiction where they are right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty. And that was pretty funny. And then, of course, 
And I'm going to throw this to both Leslie and Steph. So when John does the whole, let me put my hand on, on your shoulder and say, we got off on the wrong foot. We know what's about to happen here. Leslie, uh, take it away. What did you think of this scene? I knew that he was not going to be long for this earth. I knew that he was going to be hurt because anytime a strange white man puts their hands on me, my immediate thought is violence. So the fact that he thought that he was going to put this, put his hands on this lady who's clearly a warrior, it's very, it's very weird to me that he didn't think that this lady was capable of beating him down. Like, I don't know if there's like no, no crash course and like, did he not marveling. get the Wakanda file? Like, there's no, like, did he skip over that part? Did he, I like, there was no, there was no light reading because Steve always read something. So it's like, you didn't read anything, didn't open a book. Watch you know what it probably is, Leslie? He got the file, but he also still has the audacity. <laughs> 100%. Do you know how many white dudes on Twitter have said they could beat a bear in a fight? Like, there's just a certain type of confidence that some oh white dudes God. have, you know? <laughs> I just didn't understand how. Like, nothing in his in the past that he's experienced suggested that he was going to be okay here. Like, nothing. I know. And and Steph, um, how about you? What, what did you think when this all occurred? Um, I was kind of hoping that he would mess up because he was already being like super condescending on top of that, talking about pointy sticks. So I would like, say you missed the pointy sticks comment, AC, like yeah, that one. So, <laughs> so like with that and then just being like super condescending, I, um, you know, shame on them for introducing him with a black wife because clearly he um oh yeah Hello. yeah yeah <laughs> so um yike mm-hmm. um he's clearly um learned absolutely um nothing and is definitely one of those people that says yes i absolutely cannot be racist because i am married to a black person yeah. so my best friend um, is black yeah, right it was very much so that um and like just the audacity of it all one to just say you know you all don't have jurisdiction here just like but neither do you like what a now they want now this is what the show has gotten right they they hit that on the head as far as like um you know the united states and military and thinking that wherever military goes then you know it's united states property so that they have gotten right so i enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed how it ended. Um, yeah. And then I guess we can talk about the next thing that happens that clearly let a lot of people pin on themselves. And this is with Bucky yeah. and oh, Io. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for leading me there. So they get into the fight and it's great. They're, they're, they're beating the crap out of, of John and Lamar. They're taking a beating and then Sam's like, Bucky, can you please do something? Can you please help out John? And then Bucky's, you know, throwing a little insult. Come on, John, be strong. Uh, <laughs> as John's taking the ass whooping and whatever. And then um, Bucky gets involved with Io. Um, he doesn't, you know, physically attack her, but he stops her. And Io just um, subdues, not only subdues him, but hits pressure points on his arm and the, and the metal arm falls off. Bucky looks shocked. And it is amazing, amazing some of the responses um, on the internet um, coming from this scene and how this looks. I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, can't believe they betrayed Bucky like that. It's like, yo, that's the wait, thing that happened. 
I'll be frank. Yeah, I think yes, that this is one those of those things. things where one person said something and a lot of people dunked on them. I actually just I don't think that it was a large swell of people had a huge okay. issue with it, honestly. Oh well, uh, well I gotta say, Jake, on on my uh, my side of the thing, there were a few people who did do the whole. Well, they not only used Bucky being disabled as yes, a, as that a, yeah. I think that that was kind of um, unfair way to kind of characterize it. Yeah. And um, it, and just kind of the way that they characterized uh, the Dora as uh, they should have been a little bit kinder to to Bucky in that scenario. And I think one of the things that I said was these are the same people who, if people who know comic books know the Justice League Tower of Babel, where Batman has a whole bunch of fail safes on the whole Justice League, and they get used against them in one instance where basically everybody's depowered or put in harm's way or whatever. A lot of people usually normally go that Batman's really smart. He really understands, uh, you know, how to have all the fail safes in place. And the door is no different. This is a dude who's an assassin who's been an assassin for over what, 70, 80 years. And also um, he freed the dude who killed their king. I don't know what you would expect from that situation. And Steph, yeah. I'll let you say, Steph, I'll let you take it away from here. It's just, you know, first off, uh, Bucky went ahead and helped Sam get Zemo out of jail or Zemo got himself out of jail. But they've been like on this whole where in the world is Carmen San Diego type trip with him <laughs> this whole time, um, clubbing, shooting and killing people, all of that. And, you know, I hope was kind enough to give Bucky um, extra time with um, Zemo. Yeah. Zemo, uh, you know, killed T'Challa. So, like, I mean, T'Chaka. So, like, what are we talking about? Wait, time out. Because now I'm confused because I... What's up? Was it Zemo or was it Bucky who killed T'Chaka? It was Zemo, right? It was no, Zemo. It was Zemo. Zemo was the one who yeah, bombed the Bucky. Right. Yeah, yeah. Bucky. They're right. all... Okay. It right. was Zemo the whole time. Zemo plants everything and he has like a fake Bucky mask. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because um, I read something. I was like, am I misremembering that? But anyway, <laughs> the point still stands is that, um, you know, he's been running around with the guy who killed um, the king of their country. So... Just extending the courtesy of eight hours was enough. And then for mm -hmm. Bucky to um, intercede like that, like that was the last straw. And obviously, you know, Io didn't do that to be disrespectful or to, um, you know. It was the most respectful way he, you can get him out yeah. of it. Yeah, that, and then also like they leave the shield and his arm there, their property, because you don't buy vibranium for from Wakanda, you rent it. It's like Renaissance Center with that. So they came to repo that shit. And also, it's the thing I, I was thinking about the tweet that went viral about it. And it's like, it's a bit like if you're on house arrest and you get caught leaving the house and you're like, why did you put an ankle monitor on me? It's like, you just were trying to escape. That's why. It's like, why did you make a failsafe to stop this arm? Because you're trying to fight us. Like, you can't protest a failsafe against you when you're like actively doing the thing that the failsafe was to protect you from. And like, yeah, you think you guys are all right. That it's all, this is, it's incredibly respectful. And like, they didn't like beat them up. They're just like, no, you don't get to do this. You don't yeah. get to use our arm against us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, and I think while all of this is going on, this is the other funny part of this. Zemo escapes. Like he just 
walks out. Escape and, seems like a stretch. He just casually strolled through the room and then walked into another room. Like that's right. not yeah, like it, it, escaping would make it feel like he ran or like had one hair loose from his head. Like, no, he just watched for a bit and then decided drink. I'm good. <laughs> had a drink and yeah, you're right. He quietly slipped out the back. Um, I think the thing that I took away from this scene, not only how excellent the Dora are, but when John could not get the shield um, out of the, the spear, it was stuck. Shout out to Wyatt Russell. He sold that so well. He was so broken. And the way that he just says, they weren't even super soldiers. It was That was so good. He, I know he's a, he's a character that so many people don't like, but he's doing such a great job at it. And um, this being was unlikable? kind of a selling point even way more than um, what happens to Lamar later um, as to why he chooses not only to, to take the serum, but then eventually the choice that he makes at the end of the episode. I thought this drove that home more than anything else. Um, Leslie, I'm sure you had a great deal of satisfaction uh, seeing John as broken as he was in that scene. I had a great time. I rewound it. I don't know how many times, but I kept watching it over and over again, and it just made my heart smile. It was a good time. And for um, people really need to understand that the Wakandas did him a favor because they could have just let Bucky, I don't know, put him out to pasture, I guess, but they were kind enough to, you know, get his mind back on track. They gave him a new arm, gave him... Let a white man stay in Wakanda. Like, that doesn't happen. He had a mm-hmm. great time, a nice view. And you're upset that he had, they had some fail safes in he place. He got the for, Hollywood rehab, help, you know? It's you just know, a, nice, the resort. a nice resort spot to, you know, get his life back together. And then you said, oh, they should have trusted him. I don't trust crazy people. And I don't give crazy people technology that I can't control should I need to. So that was a wild argument. But great fight. We should all watch it yeah. again after this. It's <laughs> <laughs> great scene for great scene for real. Uh, Jerome, anything to add? Uh, what you go? How'd you feel about this scene? You enjoy it? Uh, yeah, of course. It was amazing. Um, especially like when you know what comes afterward, and it gets just super dark really quick. Um, yes. But no, it was a fantastic scene. Um, everything happened the way it should have. Uh, he should have gotten his ass handed to him. Um, I guess shout out Wyatt Russell for making himself so unlikable as a character um i i gotta ask like hands down john walker is the most unlikable character in mcu and it's not even close though right like who who's yeah, coming probably. up right okay because yeah it feels like he he has it right he has the like, belt like i was easily. at that point at this and then obviously like just triple quadruple down by the end of the episode but i found myself the next day i was shooting just like at the park and I, I saw a random dude running by and like, I didn't see his face or anything, but you know, about the same build as John Walker, about the same hair length. He had it up in like a, a bun and everything. And like the effectiveness of Wyatt Russell, and I guess a credit to him is like my initial thought when seeing him was just going, look at this John Walker looking motherfucker right here. And like, that was <laughs> like just how much you hate, that character and i mean they're they really made a point of it like any chance he got to be to make the wrong choice or to be the most insufferable like he consistently did it and uh yeah you, he needed that humbling 
he really needed. Oh it. yeah, for sure. And it and, and it pushed him down the road. And I think yeah, that we ahead, really Jim. I think that while it is like I don't actually think there should be any irony with saying like that Wyatt Russell is doing a good job because no no I think that not only I think is he acting well, but I think that we underrate how I could just because we don't actually see it on the screen, but I guarantee you there have been characters in the MCU that were more unlikable, and the actor was like, "No, I'm not going to do that." Like, I think that, like, especially yeah, if yeah. you are a like, cla- like, why Russell could easily be a leading man. Like, I actually don't think it's small feat for him to fully lean into being as unlikable, oh, unlikable as he is, because th- cinema and TV is littered with lots and lots of characters that'll be more interesting if the actor wasn't like, no, but let's give him a scene where you can tell that they're a good person, you know? Well, like, uh, like even yeah. looking at Chris Evans, he was more like a Ryan Reynolds before he became Captain America. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, and and I think that the I think it's also an achievement. Not an achievement, that's a bit much, but like how John Walker is incredibly unlikable, but it's not, and he does a lot of stuff that is like really despicable, but it's not like he's like, oh, my evil plan. Like he, he's, he, and he's he, unlikable, not just solely because of what's written for him. He, he's, and he's unlikable because he is, it's, he's unlikable not because he is like the root of evil, but because he, I think, is manifesting a lot of humans' worst impulses as human yep. beings. Like he's yeah. not at, he's not beyond the pale of what an, a bad person is. Like everything he does that's bad, I like would he didn't do, wipe out and half I can't, the universe. Exactly. And I can't but justify I it. But we know that people have the capacity to do the things he does. Like the weird right. thing is, like, if I go to a party and I see Thanos in one corner and like John Walker in the other, I'll be like, you know what? I'm kind of curious what this gauntlet looks like in person. Exactly. Like, that's, that's the thing. That's it. Like, that's the thing, right? And, like, one is clearly a way bigger monster and, like, the absolute worst, but that guy's just, like, a piece of shit. Exactly. <laughs> and and so then we, we obviously see that Zemo is gone, and then we get to a scene with uh, both Walker and Hoskins uh, getting coffee at the, at the mall, and so, like, after a fan asked Walker for an autograph, uh, Walker asks Hoskins if he would take the serum if he had the chance. Um, Lamar says immediately that he would and says that power just makes a person more of themselves. And then they get into a little bit of a conversation about their past uh, and how John got the three medals of honor. He seems to have some he seems to have some regret about what he did in Afghanistan to get those three medals of honor. And. And then it leads to, and then and then it leads to him saying that basically, being Captain America is the first chance he's had to do something that feels uh, right. Uh, Jake, I thought this was a good, I thought that was a good scene between mm-hmm. the two of them. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think Lamar's character knocks it out of the park here, mm-hmm. um, kind of playing like a, a conduit to John. What yeah. about you? I think that it's really good. I think that the th- the thing he says about the medals of honor i think is important because once again i think so much of what is important about this character is that that's not there's nothing about him that makes him uniquely evil and that like he is even capable of remorse for things he's done but i think the problem ultimately is that his takeaway of it is because you know in order to do what might be right or wrong, you have to maybe do some bad things. His takeaway is that like, we just might as well do the bad things and like decide what's right. Rather than being like, well, we sh- if that was horrible and I got rewarded for it, maybe, you know, we shouldn't ex- ex- uh, accept collateral damage. His whole thing is, well, then who cares? Like, just let's just do whatever we think is right. Collateral damage be damned. And so I think it is important to see him. 
I don't want to say grapple with the idea of doing bad things, but he's aware of them, which once again, I think makes his decision to still do bad things even more disgusting because it's not like he's a zealot who is, you know, in search of one goal. Like he is capable of understanding the bad things he does, but because he thinks he has no misconceptions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and uh, Stephanie, how about you? How did you receive this scene? Um, I, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, again, we see Lo, we we see Lamar as kind of the conscience and and conduit to John. How about you? Um, I liked it because again, like we get more backstory on like their relationship because you don't really get a lot of that in the first introduction uh, episode two. So again, like, even though it's not doing a whole lot, it's doing enough to kind of establish that. Um, And I just hate that it was cut short and it was just in service of making, you know, what happens uh, at the end of the episode um, make sense to everyone. But I did like it. Yeah. But you know what? Another thing. Shortly, just to kind of move it along, uh, Carly calls Sarah who uh, who knows Carly is the leader of the Flag Smashers. And basically, Carly doesn't really threaten, but kind of threatens at the same time. Uh, I think she, she threatens. She... <laughs> I think yeah. that's just a threat, straight up. Yeah, it's, you know, by the end of it, like, by the end of their conversation, she she gives uh, Sarah coordinates for Sam uh, to meet Carly and then also lets Sarah know that she knows where she's at, including the kids as well. So um, Carly using leverage there, uh, what you call it, an interesting uh, thing by by her there. And then Sarah calls Sam, passes on the coordinates and says to, uh, and then Sam says to Bucky, obviously that Carly threatened her and, and, and the family. Sam tells Sarah to leave town and take her sons with her. And then uh, Bucky and Sam go to meet Carly and Carly, Carly says that listen, I was never, I was never actually going to do anything. I just wanted to see how you would react in in that scenario. And um, she points out that she had wanted Sam to come alone, but Bucky said he's not going to let Sam go by himself. And once Carly says uh, she doesn't want to hurt uh, Sam because he's just a tool in the regime that she wants to destroy, and since he's not hiding behind a shield, killing him would be meaningless. So, and she says, either join me or just do the world a favor and and let me go. And then Sharon, who's monitoring John and Lamar, uh, lets uh, Sam know that that uh, they're on the tail of the rest of the Flag Smashers. So then the fight is on, the race is on. The race is on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the fight is on, the race is on. That was actually a fun scene, uh, a fun little action scene where, where Bucky jumps off the building and then and then Carly uh, bumps him as uh, as he's jumping off. That was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, Sam flies and Bucky runs and Carly runs. It's a whole foot race. And then we see Lamar and John. They're in, they're in the they're in the building where the flag smashers are. Uh, the two men eventually get split up. And then we see that Lamar gets knocked out. And then as we as we see John walking through, we can start to see that John took the serum. Mm-hmm. He's a lot stronger than he was. Um, mm-hmm. But but and- when the congressional investigation finds the syringes in his basement, he'll insist that there's B12 shots. All right. He's just doing B12 <laughs> shots. There's no service source involved. 
<laughs> and and then uh, two men tie up um, two well actually two two women tie up uh, 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 Lamar. He's he's left on the ground and. And then John is fighting one of them, uh, one of the other flag smashers, and we see him throw the shield. It gets stuck in the wall, and we could kind of see, like, oh, okay, this is a whole different John Walker uh, scenario here. Both Sam and and Bucky show up to the proceedings. Uh, the what it was a it was a fun moment where where um, John knocks one of the flag smashers down the stairs, and then he tries to hit him with a pipe. And then, and then, and then John takes the pipe and bends it in half, and the flag smasher goes, "Oh shit! It's, <laughs> this is not. Yeah, this is not going to be good." <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And then Sam, as Sam shows up, and he goes, "Like what happened?" Uh, Sam always um incredulous at anything that's happening. So, uh, then then we get to the everybody kind of shows up. Bucky beats up a, a flag smasher himself. They all show up. Um, the big fight in in the big room. Uh, this punch is going back and forth. Uh, uh, John complains about like what's with all the knives. Uh, it's a it's a fun fight scene back and forth. And then and then John is held back by by Nico. And it looks like you can't Carlos skip over knife flip. A... I'm sorry, you no, you can't skip oh, over the Bucky the Bucky knife flip yes, without actually throwing it at the dude. Um, he just threw it by the dude. Yeah, that was a that, awesome that was nod awkward. to Winter Soldier. Um, also, I think it's. Uh, fun, like just because I know it's about to go to there. Um, really fun to watch Bucky like just own the fuck out of people. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, everyone is has a super soldier serum, but one is a trained assassin of more than 90 years, and it clearly shows. Yeah, it feels like Bucky's just uh, Bucky way more than in episode two, where it looks like he was working off some rust. Mm-hmm. Um, He's uh he was he was getting some. It was nice that wind up. And... He just needed to the wind up, and he was good. <laughs> he was <laughs> yeah, in regular sure. season. Yeah, 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 yeah. He knew we yeah. were in the playoffs, so he's like, okay. He he, he went playoff LeBron. He's been coasting yes. all season, and now he's finally <laughs> in. And and then so we got so so um like I was saying we had John being held back by Nico, and Carly's about to go for go for probably a big hit. Lamar tackles Carly out the way. Carly, it looks like she doesn't see that um, it was Lamar. I don't think she saw him necessarily, but then she just throws a punch, punch him straight in his chest, caves his chest in, I'm sure. He gets knocked up against a column and instantly looks like he did. He dead, dead. And then everybody stops, and you got that little silent moment. It's like, oh, boy, it's about to get really real up in here. Uh, uh, Steph... You know, as we've talked about before, um, in terms of the, in terms of the way that Lamar was always felt like he was going to be used as a as an accelerant to John's character, as opposed to finding another way to get John's character over. Um, not only what did you think of the scene, but uh, how this how this all played out. It was like predictable and annoying. Um, because yeah. like I knew when uh they introduced John the way they did in episode two, but like didn't change Lamar much from his character in the comics and didn't really give him any kind of depth until this episode. I was like, yeah, buddy. Um, you know, I hope those checks were real cute for the first um, what was it, two, three episodes that you were in because now you're gone. Um, but I don't know, like just irritating because. 
I don't know, like, what was the point of surrounding John with all of these Black folks if you're just going to kill someone? Because I thought it was honestly going to be his wife. Because that just seemed like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like a thing they would do. But um, when it happened, it just wasn't surprising. If anything, I it's not funny, but it was kind of funny to me that, like, everybody was just throwing hands and all of a sudden when the one guy didn't get back up, it's just like, but wait, time everybody, out. Yeah, everybody's like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> I, just, I thought this was an extended sparring uh, sparring session. Um, but J- Jerome, uh, what, what did you think of this scene? I know you love the Bucky stuff, but obviously as we get to Lamar's death, uh, how'd you take it? Yeah, I think um, I, I thought that the Lamar death that I was expecting was going to be the accelerant to John taking the serum. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he had it already at that point, um, I kind of felt like, okay, we're already here. But I like, mm-hmm. I get that they wanted to get to that like final scene, but I don't know if none of that ending scene happens um, and like Lamar doesn't die. Do we really change your opinion on what like John Walker is apart from like creating a very impactful moment? Uh, no. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't have a lot of impact to me. And it's just one of those things where you can kind of see early. And I think if anything, I don't know if necessarily I'll call it a failure on the writer's room per se, but what I would say is, is that the fact that if I could see it coming from a mile away, um, then that's probably not like a great sign in terms of what you're trying to do to, to, to tell your story there. At least that's how I feel. Jake, and, I don't know how you yeah, feel about oh, it. Sorry, real quick, sorry, Jake, just real no quick. Um, it's just a simple fact that you can already see, you could have already seen it in his eyes that he was going to take it after the door mm-hmm. Melage yeah. beat him down like that oh, yeah. because that look alone was enough mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, like he's been pushed too far now because he realizes that you know, the reason why I was selected to be Captain America is not because I'm exceptionally good. It's just that I'm a really great soldier. I'm a good soldier. I listen. I'm a lapdog. So this is what they want for their Captain America, someone who is going to follow their direct orders and keep the image good. Another thing is John is obsessed with his, with uh, how people perceive him. It's not, mm-hmm. um, someone else was explaining this earlier, but um, the difference between him and Steve is that like, Steve wanted to do the best that he could. And like John more so is worried about how he looks in this image. Um, You know, that's, he says that much when he's having that interview, when they introduce him. So um, they definitely did not have to kill Lamar. Like it was already set in stone that he was going to do that after the door Melange took him out the game. Right. And, and what I was going to say was like, uh, like in terms of perception, yeah, I wrote about that. Uh, quick plug, Murphy's uh, Multiverse. I wrote about the the John Walker being undone, and it was in, in juxtaposing him to Steve and just kind of the parallels there. Um, it was always about perception, and I think that Dora Milaje moment did. I felt like you can do that moment and the way that he sold it, and not do the do the Lamar death. Actually, instead, if they had a little bit more time, like an episode or two, if they had an extra episode or two, I would have liked to see like Lamar uh, see John kill the dude at the end of the episode and have him react to that mm-hmm. and see where that goes. I from mean, there. I, I think the issue is I think that 
I think the reason they did the Lamar thing is because it's a cheat to make uh, killing a character is a cheat to make a character go through character development quicker than they normally would. I think if they had more time or if the show is more about John Walker, they could track that. But they kind of the problem is and it sucks that they have to kill a character. Uh, and of course, it's a character of color because that's the way that Hollywood works. But in order to make that happen, because they like they they need John Walker to be further along off the deep end by episode five yeah. is clearly what they want. But the thing is, I think that he's because things I don't think he would have ever killed the guy at the end if they didn't kill Lamar. Because while he's on a path of like doing bad shit, he's not mm-hmm. at beat a man to death with a shield in public yet. Like yeah. that's just and I think I, I hate the fact that they have to just it, it feels a lot like how you know a movie will make it like wait, this character has no motivation. Oh, uh, make him have a dead wife. And like then that's like so Lamar now only serves mm-hmm. to be the reason why. Uh, John Walker, you know, went bad, and it's like, come on, like he, we're past that. I think one thing, it just feels like really, really lazy, and it almost feels like they were conscious of it as they're doing it. And it's like, why are you still doing it then? If you know that we know you're doing it, why are you still going to sacrifice this character? Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's also just it feels like a product of Marvel roster management. Like, I think. Um, Battlestar, we know, is a character from the comics that could be developed, but I just don't see that there's any intent or space for that character to exist outside of this series. So yeah. might as well make them expendable for the sake of pushing forward the plot. It might even be a hint to say what John Walker's future is, too, as to whether John Walker survives the series also, because um, if we're already kind of eliminating the people around him, uh, like what, like what are they trying to come out of this series with? Like I know, you know, with WandaVision, we keep Catherine Hahn and she's moving on, but do we really see a life uh, when you have a Zemo, you have a Winter Soldier, you have a Falcon um, still in the ranks? Like, do we also need a John Walker? Does it serve a larger purpose? Which I think is always the MCU of it all. Yeah, um, I kind of see John Walker as a part of the Thunderbolts. Okay. Um, which is the the team of um kind of the, villains, and that's a kind of television anti-hero. series though right that's a either a, either a series because I, I i i'm not sure because i know they they are definitely trying to do a dark avengers movie um which you know we'll get into it at another time but it's dark avengers and then the thunderbolts might be its own thing um, as a group of anti-hero type things, basically run by General Ross, and we'll kind of do you more still of that see it after this episode, Widow. like after what he does at the end of the episode. Do you still see that like living, like him existing past? Because it feels like yeah, he's definitely he's definitely gonna survive. He has he has a super soldier serum, like and also no, 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 but, I mean, just in terms of like what board. based on what he does, right? Like that's a pretty horrendous, like it's a horrific act, uh, probably I, like the most horrific horrific act. In MCU. Yes, but I would I I don't know exactly how they're going to handle it. But right. I you the specific casting of Wyatt Russell leads me to believe that they have a lot of plans That's for fair. John Walker yep. because they cast someone who's like recognizable. So clearly the character's supposed to be important, but they're not they didn't cast someone who, to be frank, is gonna be too busy to not do stuff in the future. Like Wyatt yep. Russell is That's like fair. it's kind of like in the in the, the young, like up and coming actor zone. Yeah. So like you just wouldn't if if he was only supposed to be around for this series, to be frank, they would have just cast someone more famous. Like and, and I think that the fact that they have him is like they clearly want to develop it. And I think that it's honestly more interesting because I think that I actually would I actually kind of interested in seeing 
if they can somehow like keep him still like you know in the captain maybe even if he's not captain america like still on the reputable side because i think that it's interesting to see like because it's easy to say like oh they can't cover up what he did to a guy with a shield but like i'm i think they probably can honestly right yeah um yeah hence the whole u.s agent thing which you know i'm sure we'll get to at some point but let's just quickly get into this final scene as you know once everybody stops for a while uh uh, Sam and Bucky run after the Flag Smashers and uh, John Walker jumps out the window after them. Uh, he corners Nico. He throws a shield at him a couple of times. And then we see John Walker lose it as he takes that shield and hits Nico over and over. I have no idea if he exactly decapitated him or not, but um, he's dead, dead, pretty dead. And um, we end the episode with a shot of John Walker with a bloody shield looking around at everybody who had their phones out recording the whole thing um, and Sam and Bucky looking on and yeah, we're left with a really, really dark ending. Uh, Leslie, how did you feel about uh, not only this scene, but uh, what this episode did in getting over John Walker as enemy number one? They really kicked it up this episode. Cause like, it's been like trending in a really positive direction. So I really appreciated that because the first episode, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this show, but this <laughs> episode was like, I was like, Oh, okay. I see. I see what's happening here. I guess I'm in the minority because I didn't expect um, sidekick, the black sidekick number two to die. I forget his name. I'm so sorry. And that oh, should tell you everything. You need battle to know. Star. Okay. Yeah. Battle star. yeah. I didn't expect him to die. I was like, oh, okay. So, he, like you guys said, he already took the serum. So I was like, I guess everything was fine. And I'd seen people take hits before and they always got back up. So I thought I was expecting him to get up. And I was like, he's still sitting there. It's like when um, Simba was poking his dad. And I was like, Leslie, why do you have to bring that up? Why do you have to make should, me feel that those also be I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, Leslie mentioning that, like, that must mean that when you're watching scenes in like Captain America, Winter Soldier, Cap is straight up killing people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's right. Okay. He is. He must be because, like, I didn't. I didn't they never moved. So I, I'm also not sure how, um, like a like a damp towel was supposed to help a shield to the head, uh, like a vibranium shield to the head for <laughs> a Zemo. Like, there, there's a lot that's going on here where uh, I really am leaning toward um, Peter Parker's. Like, this does not obey the laws of physics. Like, some people straight up die. Other people like have a little bit of a scratch that a little tea won't uh, will just help. I, I don't. I think the thing with Lamar though is, and with Carly, is that you imagine that Cap has experience knowing how hard he can hit someone, whereas Carly probably doesn't. Like Carly doesn't sure. know how to regulate it. Now, I'm not saying that Steve isn't killing people, but I think that he's much more judicious with it, and she still mm -hmm. is like. Because she's surprised by how watch hard she Cap hits go on that ship at the beginning of the movie and see him. Oh kick no! People I'm, straight again, I'm not saying that he's not killing those people, but it yeah. is also like she clearly is like, oh shit! I didn't realize I hit him that hard. No, 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 yeah, yeah, for sure. That that was uh, she definitely planned the punch for a super soldier and not a regular human. Yeah, for sure. And and, and Steph, what did you think of this scene? Um, I thought this episode was the strongest episode to this point. Um. Um, and I felt like this this end was kind of uh, uh, really uh, perfect in a way to kind of frame John Walker as to who he is. How did you how did you think of it? Um, I, I liked it because um, to your point, like this has been the best episode so far 
um, because it drives the story forward um, for a lot of characters and just the entire show, period. Um, and like, I knew, I don't know, like maybe because I don't know, I read too, damn, too many damn comics, but like I <laughs> figured they were going to include him killing someone because he does in the comics. Um, and this actually happens before. So in the comics, his parents die or are murdered in front of him, actually. And he goes super berserk, but he was already berserk prior. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. double, like a double whammy. But um, it was kind of like panel for panel, um, that whole sequence. And it really played out like the end of a comic book. So um, I don't know, like I just really appreciated it for that reason. And also to just kind of drive home the point that, hey, John Walker is not something someone you should be sympathizing with at all so like please stop being weird about it yeah and yeah. i think that i think in a lot of cases especially with mass entertainment i think that subtlety is really overrated and so i think the image of the blood on the shield is like super basic and like oh of course it's really like but i think it's like really effective and yeah. i think it's a great thing to go out on because it is yep. like because i think it, it drives home that while especially because it's juxtaposed with people filming I think an important thing to keep in mind in the context of the show is we are all on Twitter. Like, that's not my Captain America. That's not my Captain America. But since most people in the world didn't have a personal relationship with Steve Rogers, for the rest of the world, John Walker didn't just kill someone in public. Captain America killed someone in public. Right. You know what I mean? That what John Walker does with the shield is inseparable. Like, if Sam gets the shield at the end of the series, he can't be like, no, 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 that wasn't real Captain America. Because who's to say, you know? And so, yeah. like, it is important because John Walker is not just bloodying himself. He is bloodying the symbol, the shield, and right. everything it means. And what does that mean going forward? Yeah. No, it's also, suppose, like, I didn't, until I, like, saw it somewhere, um, just the contrast of that, not just to OG Captain America, but to T'Challa when he was in the exact same scenario that he could have finished the job after that chase in Korea, but is told like, you know, people are watching right now. You're like, the world is watching and he doesn't go through with it. And said they arrest Ulysses Claw. Um, so uh, yeah, just double, triple whammy, uh, John Walker, bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's an interesting way to end the, the episode where we're through basically what we would call act two. We got two episodes left. Um, before we go, I'll just go around the room and say not only like uh, what, what we would like to see in the next episode, but um, just expectations in general. Leslie, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about this show going forward in the last two? Is there anything that you would like to see going forward? I just hope they continue on the trajectory that they have from this episode. I really don't have any um, what I want to see. I just. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna watch and see what they do, but I just hope they take this momentum and keep it keep it pushing to the next to the last couple episodes. Sounds good, uh, Jerome. Um, I'm curious what the aftermath is going to be with how they handled John Walker and what happened there, and uh, with the track record about how the show has been handling things like that, I'm a little nervous and <laughs> uh, wondering uh, how potentially triggering their handling of that scene will be. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, very good point. Uh, Jake, how about you? Um, I'm excited to see who the power broker is. And I really want to see who this actor is that people, because I saw your uh, your guy, Charles Murphy, tweeted that it was someone he never, a character he never thought would be in the MCU. 
um, which yeah. is exciting. And, you know, I, I love just actors in general surprise. And I like when people show up in MCU stuff that you don't expect. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, although I will say, and I tweeted about this, really wanted to be Ed Orgeron playing uh, Sam's football coach in high school specifically. And once again, I'm just repeating this because I got no love on Twitter and I'm a shameless ass. Okay. Sam says, I'm sorry, Coach O. I don't think that this problem could be solved with a pot of gumbo. And then Coach O says, son, if it can't be solved with a pot of gumbo, it's not enough gumbo, you know? And I just want that to happen. <laughs> oh, and you get, you get proper love for that. Um, Stephanie, how about you? What are you looking forward to in the last two episodes and what you might like to see? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> a lot of wood. Steph, would you just like to get through this, like, unscathed or whatever can be unscathed at this point? I mean, pretty much. Um, like, I do want to find out who the power broker is. I'm also interested in, like, who this cameo is. And then, like, I, if anything, like, I'm just really wanting to know how they're going to redeem John. Because, like, the way they, even the way they do it in the comics doesn't even redeem him. They just assassinate him in front of Cap, um, like, while they're giving, like, this press release. And then he just comes back reconditioned as uh, Jack Daniels. So um, that, and then if anything, I want to know what's going to happen with Carly because I hope they don't um, kill her off because I actually would like to see her in the Thunderbolts or like part of the Young Avengers or something like mm -hmm. that. Because similar to Ghost, like I feel like, and that's Ghost from Ant-Man too. Yeah, right. Like I feel like there's, she can be redeemed in a way that John can't, even though she also killed people, but she killed them in a building and no one was really watching. Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, basically, we we haven't seen Isaiah Bradley since episode two. If they go back to him, I wonder how that story is going to be framed, and are they just going to do this in uh, in terms of Sam's motivation to become Cap, uh, where the the Sam Bucky Walker confrontation that I'm looking forward to uh, that should be fun, and of course, yeah, the cameo is is going to be interesting they're talking about episode five as the strongest episode. So um, let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see if they deliver. Um, it's about an hour. So, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, Leslie, uh, want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, appreciate you very much. Uh, where can we follow you? Oh, um, thanks for having me um, on Twitter at Leslie Emma. It's, I don't know if it's a good time or not. I just be tweeting, so we'll see. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all. Thanks once again. Uh, Stephanie, where can we follow you in your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steph underscore I underscore Will. And a link to my website is in the bio for both of those. Awesome, awesome. Jerome Chang, where can we follow you, brother? Uh, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll. Um, and just like Leslie, I'm just I just doing stuff. <laughs> and Jay Christie, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast I do with Andre Brera called No Funk and Strictly Monk, and it's about the USA Network original series Monk. Uh, but yeah, awesome. And you can follow me on super Twitter. smooth, Jake. Yeah, he, he's got it down now. Good job by you. 
you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Uh, check out any of my writing at murphysmultiverse.com. You can check out my latest uh, piece on John Walker, Come Undone. And you can follow this show um, on Twitter at MC University Pod. Rate, review, subscribe. Oh, wait, can I add one thing? Um, sorry. Yes. Just because, like, Steph's done such a great job and she repeat, like, she does share it over and over. Follow Steph. Read all her character backgrounds and yeah. all the breakdowns of everything. Like, I don't appreciate the show nearly as much without having all that context. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it definitely as someone who uh, has been very vocal about like really just wanting to take it in, um, especially for uh, just how they're handling certain things. Like, unfortunately, I think you do need to do have the context beyond, you know, comic book knowledge of just understanding um, the decisions that were made in comics for a lot of these characters and why some of it actually does connect. And it's not just necessarily like an ignorant writer or anything like that, but also where it's still coming up short on uh, screen. So definitely read all of Steph's stuff. Oh, agreed. Thanks, Her pieces on John Walker, uh, Lamar Hoskins, and um, and Isaiah Bradley too. All of them are oh, on there. And uh, there's one coming on Friday um, for IO. Um, oh, mean, cool. Yeah, yeah, for IO. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Also, yeah, your Dora Milaje. Like, look at two. Without your evolution, like without understanding the evolution, like the OG comic versions of them, like would never have these scenes. Like they just wouldn't happen. And so, like you actually really do appreciate that they actually got along in the comics to get to a point where you can actually have more fully fleshed uh, versions of these characters on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And yeah, thank you guys, and thank you guys for listening. For Leslie Meir, for Stephanie Williams, for Jerome Chang, and for Jake Christie, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University. We will talk to you next time. Mm